Welcome to the OA ESP Principal Podcast. This podcast features elementary principals and assistant principals from the great state of Oklahoma. I am Glenn Absher, the Executive Director of the Oklahoma Association of Elementary School Principals. Today on the podcast, we have Jessica Cabine. She is a principal in Austin, Minnesota. So this is my first out-of-state guest, and uh, she is also going to be the keynote speaker at the OAESP Leadership Conference, February 28th and 29th. So you do not want to miss that. If you've not registered for that conference, uh, go to our website, www.cosa.org, and uh, go ahead and register for that conference. Uh, I'll also uh, link that in the show notes. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Ms. Jessica Cabine. Welcome to the OAEFP Principal Podcast. Today on the podcast is a very special guest, my very first out-of-state guest. So Jessica Gabine is uh, joining me uh, today, and uh, she's going to tell you a little bit about herself. But she is going to be at our at the OAESP um, Leadership Conference, February 28th and 29th, and she's going to be our opening keynote speaker. So I want to take this opportunity to welcome Je- Jessica to the podcast, welcome her to Oklahoma. In in February, just kind of if you've ever been to to Oklahoma. Yes, yes, and I think we I can't remember if we talked about it this summer. I was there last summer at a um, military graduation of one of my students. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. In, at a fort at Fort Sill. Yes. yes, yes. Which is in Lawton, which is where I grew up. And so that's right. That was that connection. Yes. And so, and then, um, I did spend like a day and a half in Oklahoma city, then just on the way back and found some really like a neat little art artsy kind of block with some cool art and food. And I think I still have quite a few things from there. So it was a fun trip for sure. Very memorable. So I'm excited to be back. All right. Well, very good. Well, Jessica, welcome to the podcast and let's just go ahead and get started. Who is Jessica Cabine and talk a little bit about your path to the principalship. Sounds good. And Glenn, I'm really glad that I have no students in my office when we're doing this interview, because I am sure I have a lot of high schoolers who would like to tell you who I am in their own words. But you get the you get the unfiltered, filtered version with me here today. (laughs) But um, I took a really unconventional path to the principalship and just in education in general. I graduated college with a music therapy degree. And so I wasn't even in education. I back in the day. before email and cell phones is when I went to college. But um, the music therapy pathway was really about working with adults with special needs at the time or um, youth in um, prisons or correctional centers. And it was really kind of a passion of mine. So I, I did that for a few years and then kind of fell into education as a music therapist in the public schools in St. Paul. And I think my whole journey has been someone's kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, have you ever thought of, and I wonder if any of you guys have ever had that where someone says, have you ever thought about being a principal? Have you ever thought about being a teacher? And so that's kind of the journey is um, a special ed director tapped me on the shoulder and said, have you ever thought about being a special ed teacher and was able to go back and get my license. And then I was in special ed administration. And then after a few years, I got the tap to say, have you ever thought about being a principal? And I'm like, I don't know. And so I went from special education to middle school assistant principal, which was a leap of faith in a lot of different worlds. And then um, I've, I've actually now hit the K-12 experience, Glenn. So I started in, in middle school as an assistant principal, went to a kindergarten center 
Um, so I spent six years at the happiest place in Southeastern Minnesota, 405 year olds every year. That was, I went from middle school to kinder. Then I went back to middle school and was the middle school principal for four years. And now this is my second year as the principal of Austin Online Academy. So now I'm actually a 912 public high school that serves anybody across the state of Minnesota. Um, but I actually reside at the brick and mortar high school. So my first class of kindergartners are now juniors in this building. And it's amazing to see the growth and development that they go through from being five to 17. So that's really been inspiring for me and yet challenging my purpose and, and passion in this work because I remember what they were and what they wanted to do. And, and I want to help them continue to realize those dreams as they go into adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. And so just for our listeners, you're located in Austin, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yes. The home of Spam, the fantastic meat product in 22 different varieties. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. In fact, I think it was Adam Welcome. I think I was talking to him. Did, didn't he come? <clears throat> he come there? Yes. Yes. And didn't he go through the factory or something? The He went to the Spam Museum. Museum. That's what it was. Yes. yes. We went to the Spam Museum and we packaged fake Spam in bean bags and learned the history of Spam. And he does not eat meat. So that was really interesting. <laughs> but Adam, Adam, I think that's one thing, too, I would as as um, being connected and finding friends. I feel like our, our community is only about 20,000 people, but being the home of spam, we're incredibly diverse in our student population, but I was the only kindergarten principal. And then I was the only middle school principal and that can get really isolating. And so like Adam and I became friends on social media and then we kind of became texting friends. And then we ended up running a marathon together and we know each other's families and my son stayed at their house. And so I think the importance of that community, even more so past COVID, is sometimes you just need another person who knows the role and what you're going through to just call and be like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this? And so I think that community and those relationships are just incredibly invaluable as we're trying to navigate life post-COVID and all the other challenges that are coming our way. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so Jessica, as you think back on your career, who were some mentors that really poured into you? Oh, I, I love that. I was thinking about that before we got on the air. And, you know, I, I would have to say my grandmother would be my first. Um, she will probably listen to this when you send it to me because she's just that way. Um, she continues to live on her own um, and has just been always inspiring to me um, and challenging me and supportive and encouraging. I remember when I was principal of the year. She was my biggest champion and cheerleader and had to see the award and see my my dress that I wore in D.C. And I'm pursuing my doctorate degree. And she constantly asks how I'm doing with that. And so I've always appreciated her pursuit of my um, academics and education and, and watching her also work um, back in a day when that wasn't always prevalent and being able to have a family was just really um helpful for me to see a, a path that was paved well before my time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you were talking a little bit, a little bit ago about just this untraditional path into education. And uh, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about, you know, sometimes people are placed in our, in our lives. Cause you talked about the people that, that constantly tap, tap you on the shoulder. Hey, have you thought about, have you, have you thought about, and um, and people who listen to this podcast on a regular basis have have heard the story before, but I'm gonna I'm gonna 
re, re, repeat yeah. it again, but you know, when I graduated from high school, I had no direction. In fact, I was told um, by a family member that I was too dumb to go to go to college that I should consider something else. And uh, and so I started working um, by by chance for for the local school district in in Lawton, and I was a teacher's aide. And the third grade teacher that I worked for told me to go get my butt in college. Oh. You, need, you need to become a teacher. And I'm telling you, I would not be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for for Betty Foster, that third grade teacher oh. that, that 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 I was I was her I was her aide, and uh, but she's she's the one that that told me you need to become a teacher. And so, um, and and unfortunately, we 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 just lost Betty uh, last uh, March, but um, she was 88. But she continued to be a driving force in my life, as long as well as many many other other people, including my both both my grandmothers and and um, and so uh, anyway, my 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 point is that people are put in, into your life for a certain purpose, and you have these people who see something in you who constantly tap on that tap you on that sh shoulder and say, hey, maybe, maybe you should consider this. And the, and, and the seed gets planted and mm -hmm. you never know what's go what's going to happen next. So. Well, I, that's an incredible story of, of Betty. And I think too, as, as leaders and educators, we don't toot our own horns. I don't know if there's a better analogy of that, but we, we don't acknowledge the importance of our role and how hard it is. But I also think we have opportunity to tap shoulders of kindergartners, first graders. I'm still texting a freshman in college and I'm gonna get him to be a teacher. I just am like, we don't need any more business managers. We need you in our high school. And I think the power of those taps depend, you know, you could be third grade, you could be in college, but it it means a lot. And I think sometimes we don't recognize the power that we have in inspiring and in, in empowering other, other people to consider this profession. Yeah, yeah. Or for sure. And you know, the people, people in our lives, whether they're a good role model or a bad role, role model, have a lot of power in the words that they say. And even mm -hmm. though somebody tell me I wasn't smart enough to go to college, that also became my driving force to say, you are wrong. And mm -hmm. so, uh, so, you know, I, I think, I think words are, are extremely powerful. So Jessica, as you think about the principalship, what is one thing you wished you would have known about the principalship before you stepped stepped into that role? Oh gosh, just one, <laughs> <laughs> or, or many, or many. I I really um, I think too often we think we have this title and we have to perform this perception of who we who we have to be now that we have this title and we forget that we got that position of who we were up until that point. So. Um, I can give an epic fail of when I when I went to the kindergarten center, I thought I had to be like the previous principal who's a mentor and a dear friend of mine. Um, but it was like this mantra of what would Jean do? What would Jean do? And instead of thinking about always what Jean would do, I needed to start saying, what was Jessica going to do? And, and that's where like in the mornings, I loved greeting kids outside. That was my thing. That wasn't Jean's thing, but that was my thing. And, and when I started to do it and was authentic in my role, and this is how I build relationships. This is how I meet families. Teachers were always supportive of my willingness to be you know, transparent and be open with them and with staff and students. So I think, you know, if you're that teacher or if you're a prospective administrator and you love to play at recess, play at recess in your principalship. 
If you enjoy, you know, coaching and supporting, continue to do that in the role of the leader. I think too often we think we have to be on a certain pedestal with perfection and how we're ultimately doing things. And I think just really being authentically yourself and in having that integrity and empathy of just being like, if you screw up, admit it and, and move forward. Like it's, it's going to happen. And it's been, I've learned so much more from my failures than my successes. And I think just being transparent builds that culture of being okay with innovation and, and learning while we're, we're growing and flopping and failing around here. <laughs> yeah. So Jessica, if you were talking to somebody who was aspiring to become an administrator or somebody who just stepped in that role, what, what, what advice would, would you give them? Mm. The same or would you say something different? I think I'd give them a couple pieces of advice. Be willing to say you're sorry. Be willing to ask for help. And practice gratitude every day. I think if you can, and I think that's, those are um, some of the essential human skills or soft skills that we need in this work that aren't just the technical skills. I think being open and asking for help and getting perspectives, because sometimes you can isolate yourself and not always know what the day-to-day -day operations are. So being willing to ask for help, being willing to say you're sorry, like, there are many times I see a kid in the hall. And I'm like, sorry about that. You know, like an interaction or something that could have done differently. And then um, I practice a, a morning devotional every day. And, and after the end of that, I always write three things I was grateful for and three things I'm looking forward to. And I've been doing that since 2016. And that's just a way for me to start my day in um, positive reflection and, and gratitude to build that resiliency. Look at time for class. Resiliency. Um, of the work that's going to have to happen that day. So I think if, if for me, starting my day grounded in gratitude helps me overcome whatever's going to come at me later on. Yeah, that's, that's a really, really good, really good stuff. So Jessica, you are a published author. So tell us some, some of the books that you have authored. You, yeah. You've had, oh, yes. You, you've had several. I, I know my the kids at school think that's hilarious. They're like, I saw you on Amazon. I'm like, yep, still need to get to lunch on time. So <laughs> um, I was fortunate. The first book I was able to write was called Hacking Early Learning. And it was really about learning essential because I had come from a middle school mindset as and a secondary educator to this pre-K K building. And so learning essential things as a leader to really promote in that pre-K three um lens, which was really helpful because back then we didn't have all day kindergarten in Minnesota when the book was released. So it really helped. My goal was to help other administrators learn from my mistakes and move forward in building all day kindergarten and success. Um, at the same time, I was able to write a book with Jessica Johnson and Sarah Johnson called Balance Like a Pirate. So it's the Lead with the Pirate series. And so that was really my first tiptoeing into all this work around balance. Um, from that, I, I wrote Unconventional Leadership, which is really looking at the connection of research and social media and how those play together. Uh, then I was able to, to write Lead with Grace. So it's those essential soft skills of leadership. They don't always teach us in the textbooks, but are integral in our interactions and actions every day. And then most recently, um, I wrote Principle and Balance, which has kind of been something like I need to read myself. I, I have a mentor who says, you might want to read your book again. <laughs> <laughs> once in a while, but it's about leading at work and having a life. So really being able to, to do this job, do it well, and still have the bandwidth to go home and, and be with your family or 
and take care of yourself and your hobbies and your own passions. So that's really kind of, um, I love this work and I love working with other people who love this work. And I'm worried about the sustainability of these positions if we don't start prioritizing our own well-being is really kind of my calling in this in this work right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which really leads us into our, our next question is that um as I was writing this question, uh I wrote that you're really big on creating this work-life balance and devoting family time, giving grace for your, yourself and, and and others. So what led you to write the book on 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 balance? Yeah. Um, and I've, I've shared this in some of my stories when I speak too. So I'm pretty sure if you come to the winter conference, you'll see a picture of the why in this work. And, and it really, it was when I was, became a, an assistant principal and there were many days that, um, my oldest son who was in kindergarten at the time, I didn't see him awake. I devoted, I, I really prioritized my role as a principal over my role as a parent and a spouse. And there were three to four days a week that I got up and left for work before he woke up. And I got home after he went to bed. And if I could reverse time and recalibrate my priorities, I I would love to do that because I missed out on a lot of really great opportunities of just being with people. I think I'm also really a, a recovering and high achiever who just has to keep busy and has to keep doing things. And, and I'm learning that instead of just doing things, I just sometimes just need to be be in a space, like watch a movie with my kids without multitasking. You know, there's just, there's this driven piece in our lives that we have that I'm really trying to figure out how to instill more pause and, and be able to provide that as an opportunity for others. So I think that really was, was the turning point for me is looking back in reflection of, of the time I lost. And I don't want other, especially younger administrators who are trying to, to do this work really well and raise a family at the same time, like giving them advice and tips that yes, you you actually, you need to do both. Because what I've also learned is by putting boundaries and establishing bandwidth, I'm better at both. Like the 12 hour principle cabine can actually get just as much work done, if not more and better in eight or 10, you know, that works six, seven days a week working in five and actually giving yourself breaks away from work. When you come back, you're refreshed, you're revived and you're ready to go versus just the, the constant crank of it going. And, and I think one of the things too, that I'm really still working through is not just the work, the physical work, but in your head, the stuff that just keeps swirling around at night or in the morning, you know, that the ping of the email and you just, you, you kind of have that what's next kind of thing. I think those are like shutting it off in our mind is something that I'm really working towards as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I lead some, uh, some, some new, new principles academies. And, um, and so one, one of the pieces that we have in there is this, is this work-life balance. And this is one of the things that I, I always tell everybody that, 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 that that's in my academy, that this is something that I'm not very, very good at, but I, I am working on it. <laughs> and so, um, uh, I had taken on a, a, a second school that, that, that was struggling. And so my, my task was to get this school turned around. I was also working on my doctorate at, at the same time. Oh. So the amount of hours I was putting in was ridiculous. And, uh, and so I would go home at five, five 30, I'd go eat dinner with my family, turn around, come back to school. And then I would, I would write. On my dissertation, I finished all my 
doctoral hours and I've got 87 pages of my dissertation written when I woke up one day and realized that my daughter was a sophomore in high school and I only had two more years with her and I was never home. And it, and it just woke me up and I made, I, I prayed about it. I talked my, to my wife about it and I made the decision that I was walking away from that doctorate because I needed to spend time with my with yeah. with with my family. And uh and that's been seven, eight years ago. And I look back at it now and I do not regret that decision. Mm-hmm. And uh because I I I needed to make sure that I spend as much time with my with my family and my and my kids. And so mm-hmm. yeah. So <laughs> well and I think I think too, Glenn, well one thing too is that especially as leaders is we we are so kid centric in our work and in our lives that for those of us who are married, like our spouses really get the lesser version of ourselves. It's kind of like our work gets gets us, our kids get us, our chores get us, our groceries get us, and then it's our spouse. And I think that's something too that um, I really am concerned because I see a lot of fractured families, um, especially with with school positions. And, and just because it's like you you have to really prioritize connecting with your spouse and, and prioritizing that time in everything else that has to, to, to go. And I know that um, my husband laughs at this, but like, we just, we, we do one thing a week together. Now that could be grocery shopping. That seems silly, but it's an activity we do together. Sometimes we'll go to a basketball game together. We'll go walk the dog. This weekend we went and looked at Amish furniture and had lunch, but it's like, it doesn't have to be a big thing, but just something with the two of us. And I always, leave my cell phone at home when I'm with him. Cause if it's emergency, they can get a hold of him and he's a better holder of, of technology than me, but I can be so much more present with him when I don't have to worry about the dinging and the pinging for the 90 minutes I'm gone. But that is a challenge I think for leaders is, is prioritizing that person at home that really holds the fort down when we're doing the, you know, the, the 16 hour days because of evening conferences or the holiday programs, or like we're coming up on the end of second, you know, the, the start of second semester. So kids are turning stuff in. So I'm here later. Um, but still remembering that they really deserve our time and attention too. Well, and, and my, as a, as, as a leader of, of my building, Every time we'd have a, a, a night event, it never failed that, you know, a teacher or one of my employees would contact me and say, hey, something came up with my kids, something came up with my family, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'd, I'd always say the same thing to them every time. Family first. Family first. And then I realized I wasn't, I wasn't following that. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and they watch you. I think that's something, too. If you're nervous about putting these boundaries in, watch. Because I know in the kindergarten center, I noticed people weren't leaving until I left. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like five at night. Like, this is insane. When I started leaving early, they started leaving early. When I stopped sending emails at night, they stopped feeling like they had to answer or read them. Like it was the culture, it, it kind of, they ha- they were going to watch you. And so you're also not only modeling for your own well-being, but for those in your school too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Jessica, you're part of the NASP uh, Center for leadership and I and there's several centers and I, and I forget which one that, that that you're a part of middle level middle level all right so talk to us a little bit about your role as an NAESP fellow and yes. uh and then talk a little bit about that that center for leadership oh I I will I will talk as long as you'll let me go on that but 
really was the brainchild of a number of years ago with um, Andy Jacks and, and Hamish Brewer. They really, I think it kind of came out of, um, maybe it was Spokane, the national conference where they were running, you know, all these conversations around innovative leadership and innovative leadership. And then Gracie and Earl really partnered and they, they brainstormed these centers that really then help us kind of find, feel less siloed. So you can say you're an elementary or middle school principal, but then you can find a group of like-minded individuals. So whether that's the Center for Diversity, now we have an early learning, um, we have women in leadership, we have uh, innovation, we have middle level. I mean, so you can start to really find your people within the larger group. Um, each of those fellows has different activities um, that, that you can partake in, whether it's a book study, whether it's webinars. Um, at the middle level, we do like a mastermind meetup monthly. So it's Thursdays at two o'clock central time. We um, open it up. Everybody can log in, um, sign up and join. And we'll usually do like a couple problems of practice people might send in, in advance. And then we do like a hot seat and any of the resources we collect, we put them into Canvas. So people can be like, hey, I wanted to see a block schedule example. You can go in and pull that down or, hey, what do you do to engage middle level parents? Oh, here's a bunch of activities. So it's really about crowdsourcing. And again, just support. Like December, we were all just sitting, drinking our coffee, wishing it was something else going, wow, I forget how December is in the middle of years, you know? So it's, again, it's that building community, especially if you're a singleton and, or you're just really craving that connection with other people that understand what you're going through. It's been really beneficial. So, um, there, there, you can find them on the website. And then during the national conferences, there's always breakout sessions with all the different groups. So you can stay connected with them that way as well. And you can always reach out to me either after this um, or in Oklahoma. And I would love to talk more about it, but it's been a really great value add to the organization too. It's just building additional branches of support that school leaders really need in this season. Yeah. Well, and I want to just give a shout out to the the uh, Early Learning Center because Oklahoma's own Julie Bloss is now an NASP fellow. So just want to- She's like the grandmother, godmother of early learning. Like everything I've learned, I've learned from Julie. She's amazing. I've been yeah. following her on social media since I started. So she's incredible. Yeah. Ju Julie and I are great friends. In fact, I just I just talked to her this 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 morning. So. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I, I know that she is excited to be part of, of that, and um, and so um, uh, we're just glad to have a fellow o o Oklahoman. To yeah, that's amazing. That. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, Jessica, you're a member of NAESP, as well as I'm sure you're a member of your state association. Mm -hmm. So, why are you a member, and why do you think people should belong? to either their state or national or both. Mm -hmm. Well, and I can tell you, like, I think it was 20, I cannot remember the exact year, but I went to the national conference and I ran into um, Brad Gustafson, who's also a Minnesota elementary principal. And I like edu fangirl crushed this guy. Like, oh, I've read your books. I follow you on social media. And I'm like, I just got to sit with him and have dinner with him. And, um, you know, then I really got my eyes open to the state of Minnesota and the things that we were offering and just the value of connection in it's iron sharpens iron. Like the people who are involved in these organizations are dynamic, they're game-changing, they're 
you know, community builders. It's just been, I, I look forward to our state conference every year. It's almost like a family reunion in a sense, because it's the same. We might not see each other throughout the course of the year, but when we get together at those conferences, it's like reconnecting, um, celebrating and supporting each other in their, in their workshops, in their conference uh, breakout sessions. Um, and then like here in Minnesota, we just started a mentorship program. So there's two of us that are mentoring five new principals. And so we do virtual meetups monthly. And it's just been, I almost feel like I'm getting more than they are in that partnership. Cause I'm learning so much about what it's like to be a new principal again, cause it's been a while for me. So it's like, the value of just connecting with other like-minded people that are also in this work for the reason you are is invaluable. And I really, outside of the resources and the, the, like the, the magazines and the Facebook and the other so groups that I'm sure you even have within your own state, it's invaluable to be connected with people that just really, really care about kids and want to see change and are ready to support each other through it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really Really good, good, good stuff. And, uh, you know, I would say too, as you know, when I became a member of OAESP in 2007, <clears throat> that first year, I met some friends in the, in the evening as we're, as we're just sitting around talking, having dinner and, and people that I'm still friends with, you know, all, all, all these years later, and many of them have moved up. Some are assistant superintendents, some are superintendents yeah. now, some are still, um, at the, at the, uh, building level, but they have become, district leaders. And so, uh, you know, you, you, you do build that connection with, with people. And, uh, because, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're in your district, even if it's a large district, you're going through situations that you really can't talk to other people in your district about, but mm -hmm. you want to hear what are some ideas that other people have that are seeing it through a different, through a different lens. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's always been, I always found it valuable just, the uh, the people more than anything have 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 been the the uh, that the value in it. That's I mean that's really it is the people, Glenn. That's a great way to frame it. It's it's pretty invaluable. Yeah. So, well, all right, people that are listening, I, don't walk. You need to run to go sign up for the OAESP Leadership Conference, February twenty eighth and 29th. Jessica is going to be our opening keynote speaker, and we are excited to host you in um, Oklahoma, and we 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 look forward to it. The theme this year is Leap in, into Leadership, because we're conference is actually on Leap Day this year. So, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, so Jessica, as we kind of wrap up here, I'm going to just turn it right back to you for some some final thoughts. Yeah, I think. Um... <sighs> It's it's the bleak midwinter, I like to call it here in Minnesota. <laughs> it's we don't know if it's gonna be snow, ice, cold, um, lack of sun. It gets to be a, a challenging time of year. Um, I really would challenge people that are listening to find something that they enjoy and try to schedule it. So whether that's reading a book for fun, going for a walk, spending time with your family, um, making a meal, like Find something that you enjoy outside of your job and schedule it to do it in the next week or so. I think just making sure that you're constantly keeping a priority of yourself in this work, whatever it is, big or small, it's a step towards balance and, and building resiliency um, to make it to May or June, depending on when you're done. Um, but just making sure that, that you're bringing your best self um, to home and to, to work. Yeah. 
Well, Jessica, thank you for being my guest, and I appreciate you taking the, the time, and we're looking forward to seeing you in uh, February. Can't wait. I'm very excited. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you for listening to the OAESP Principal Podcast. If you're not a member of COSA or OAESP, please join. Rates have been prorated for, for the rest of the year, and so uh, go to our website, www.cosa.org. That's ccosa.org. It will also be linked in our show notes. I also want to uh, invite you to um, register for the OASP Leadership Conference that will be held February 28th and 29th. Also, the Women in School Leadership Conference is coming up March 27th and 28th, and registration is open for that as well. And then the COSA Summer Leadership Conference is coming in June. It'll be June uh, 10th through 12th at the Oklahoma City Convention Center, and registration will be opening uh, towards the end of January. So thank you for listening, and keep doing great things for our kids in our public schools. Thank you.